You're listening to Experience, a social commentary by Anubhav. Today, the religious right in many parts of the world seems to be at a crossroad with the culture around sex. One might argue that with how disposable and transactional sex has become, that's probably a good thing. Another might argue that it leads to conversations around sex becoming unrelatable and even suppressed. That's way too simplistic though. Let's delve into the why and the how. A lot of my research today draws from the works of the American psychologist Dr. Marty Klein. In his book, America's War on Sex, he talks about how the religious right seeks to retain its position as the ultimate moral authority and how it continues to grapple with the conception of morality that prevailed earlier versus its need to update itself with scientific advancement and technology. Most obviously, certain religions are more liberal than others in matters of sex. The nuance of that is a conversation for another day. The broader point that I wish to highlight is the disparity between sexual behavior today as opposed to sexual behavior that existed when religion was first conceptualized. This is not a discussion of atheism as being better than religion, but a dissection of whether religion should update itself as society unravels new idea of what's considered normal. It has long been observed that organized religion has enjoyed a seat at the public policy table. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. In fact, law as a concept today would not have existed if there was no concept of right or wrong, which originates largely in religion. However, in recent times, what science says and what religion says is often found to be divergent. Using its seat at the public policy table, the religious right often puts science on the back seat. You'll often hear premarital sex is wrong, with no reason as to why. If you ask, you're just another sheep who's ignorant about the holy texts. If you're lucky enough to even get an answer, you might be told that sex education and condom distribution in schools make children more promiscuous which leads to more sex. It is also argued that that, in turn, facilitates crime. Science, however, suggests that children think about sex even without any encouragement from society, although that encouragement might be fueling that curiosity. Dr. Klein cites the famous example of Arizona State's criminalization of strip clubs and swing clubs without any public hearings or discourse, declaring it to be a public health emergency. They did this in fear of crime rates, conveniently ignoring that football games have more comparative crime. Surely, if a state decided on a threshold, anything above that threshold should also be criminalized. It can be inferred that this apprehension has caused the defunding of research in the realm of sex. By definition, sex is the most individualistic thing one can engage in. So it becomes clear why an authoritarian state or a state leaning towards authoritarianism wouldn't want discovery in that direction. Over time, the discussion around porn went from calling it immoral to calling it a threat to social safety. This view seems to be contrary to most of the research on this matter. Sex-related crimes, divorce rates and teenage pregnancies were already on a decreasing curve before the advent of porn. And it appears that the advent of porn never really caused any effect on any of these things. Sure, using this research, we cannot say that porn caused a decrease in crime. But we can surely say that it didn't cause an increase in crime. Though it is also established in science that an exceptionally promiscuous lifestyle and casual sex leads to general dissatisfaction. 
because it's hard for most people to separate sex from emotion. That shouldn't be a justification for the state to control consensual sexual habits. This is being done from overstating sexual violence and surfacing the belief that porn and sex education will pollute minds and cause more crime. A view that we could attempt to entertain if there was any basis for it. By pushing the narrative that sex is a taboo as a whole, the conversations revolving around how sex can be more comfortable, enjoyable, understandable, palatable and even accessible are suppressed. This isn't to suggest that one ought to hop into bed with every partner they can find. But the individual should be free to grapple with their level of sexual exploration, exposure, and autonomy. Again, this isn't a criticism of religion. When religion was first postulated, the age of someone's first marriage and the onset of puberty were a couple of weeks apart. The total time to engage in premarital sex would have been weeks or months. As the average age of marriage increased, the time frame for premarital sex also did, causing an increase in premarital sex. Increasingly, people who swore absolute abstinence from sex before marriage were found to be lying, causing the concept of abstinence to simmer altogether and marking a clear divide between religion and society. It's also ironic to note that the people complaining about porn are the same people complaining about sex education in school. If the panic about porn leading to violence, etc. was genuine, then what stopped them from giving kids so-called proper education about sex? It's also worth noting that the discovery of affordable contraception and abortion has also greatly skewed the cost-benefit analysis of sex, especially for women. For greater stability in society and within religion, it appears that nuance in terms of technological and scientific advancement could help. But we would have to draw a line on that too. A lot of evolutionary science underlines how humans are inherently capable of violence, that it isn't a result of social conditioning. This was partly established from a study on chimpanzees, where chimpanzees were left to grow up alone until they reached a certain age, and then they were infused back into a society of chim chimpanzees. The chimpanzees were found to be committing violence and acts that were far beyond the contemplation of the scientists that were involved in this experiment. On that same note, it can be argued that just because some things are biologically natural does not mean they should be socially acceptable. That's perhaps where utilitarianism enters the realm of public policy. It is utilitarianism that asks, what do we get by restricting porn? Less crime? Prove it. Until there's proof that something is harmful to society, it shouldn't be curtailed. That's what the libertarians believe at least. What do you believe? Did I miss something? Does the porn ban infuriate you? Has porn contributed to who you are today? Do leave your views in the comments on my YouTube and my Instagram. That always makes for great discourse. Thank you.